Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Money can't buy happiness. Have you heard that before? Do you believe it? Eh, maybe. Would you like to try it, test it out? <laughs> Have some extra money, see if it makes you happy or not? Well, funny enough, uh, University of British Columbia and Harvard researchers joined together in 2006 to test that maxim. Money can't buy happiness. They wanted to know if it was just some um, fable or if it was actually true. And so they designed a few different um, experiments to see if money actually could buy somebody some happiness. And the results are kind of interesting. They started with the first test, and here's what it was. They brought in a few thousand people, and inside of an envelope, they gave them a $5 bill and instructions to either spend that $5 bill on themselves that day or to spend that $5 bill on somebody else. So you got an envelope, you open it up, there's a $5 bill, and you either needed to go to Starbucks and get a latte, or you needed to go find somebody and do something kind for them with that $5 bill. Either spend it on yourself, or spend it on somebody else. And afterwards, after all the, a couple thousand people did that, they would um, report on you know, their overall well-being, what happened in their day. They asked them several questions to sort of try to um, not make it so obvious they were trying to figure out how happy people were. And what they found was, overwhelmingly, people who had the $5 and were commissioned to spend that on somebody else reported incredible amounts of joy. And those that um, were given $5 and told to spend that on themselves reported no increase at all in their joy. So they were saying, yes, money can buy happiness, but if you learn how to give your money... But they weren't satisfied with just testing people with five bucks, because, you know, five dollars really, you know, it's not too much. So they decided they would actually interview 4,000 multi-millionaires. And they were asking them a bunch of different questions um, just to sort of isolate um, what makes them similar and what makes them different. And what they were looking for was happiness levels. Do people really, if you get many, you know, not just one million, but 10 and 20 and 50 million dollars worth of net worth, they wanted to know, are people really happy when they have that much money? And so they asked them all kinds of questions, things like, how did you acquire your wealth? And there was a difference. If you inherited your wealth versus earning it, there was some difference there. They asked questions about their family situation, marriage or marriages, children. How's your relationship with your children? What kind of job do you have right now? They asked a bunch of different questions. And one of the questions in there, or several of them they asked were, how frequent and how often and of how much are you uh, giving to charity of your money? So they're asking all these different questions. What they found was the only real variable between all these 4,000 people that distinguished between happiness and little happiness was how charitable they were with their money. There were a lot of other things that sort of played into that, but the charity with their money absolutely played into the joy that these people experienced. And who would have thought that, right? Isn't that weird, counterintuitive? Well, not so much. Remember Jesus said, Paul is quoting Jesus when he says that it is more blessed to give 
than it is to receive. And Jesus didn't really research, you know, millionaires or give people five bucks and test it. He knew it because it was an eternal truth. He said, it is a more blessed life. You are, you have a better life if you learn how to be generous than just receiving gifts. And you've probably experienced this on a personal level if you're over the age of maybe 20 or 25. Um, you know what it's like to be at Christmas when you're a kid and the thing you're thinking about is the gifts you're going to get, right? And that's on your mind. And then all of a sudden, maybe um, somebody comes into your life, a child, and you're older, and you have an opportunity to give them a gift. There's an incredible amount of joy that can be found in that. But the reality is, whether it's $5 or millions of dollars, learning to be a giver is actually really hard. It's difficult. And if you're just dropping into our series, Generous, today, you've missed the first four lessons, I encourage you to go on to our website or the podcast and find those because we've done a lot of work up to this point to dig into the heart of what's behind us learning how to be generous and the barriers that stop us from becoming generous people. And I want to encourage you to dig into that to make sure that you can evaluate your own heart. But today we're going to look into some more practical matters, some practical matters of giving, because here's the deal. Forgiving, uh, being a giver is oftentimes seen as sort of drudgery or like a duty. And rarely do we see it as a delight or something to enjoy. But for us to get to this blessed kind of living, this blessed, delightful way of giving, we actually have to be people that practice the duty. Meaning we've got to be about the discipline of giving long before we ever have the delight in giving. The duty comes before the delight. And our text today is going to help us learn how to discipline ourselves with giving. In our series, we're learning that uh, this generous, that God has called us to be excellent givers. That being a giver is a spiritual thing. Now, just imagine if you and I were talking in the foyer after services, and I said, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for 20 years now, um, but I just don't pray. I, I just don't practice prayer, okay? I'm a Christian, but I just don't practice prayer. How alarmed would you be? Would you be pretty alarmed if I told you I am a Christian, I just don't pray and I don't read my Bible. I don't, I don't practice those things. Those would kind of alarm us, right? Like, wait, wait, you don't pray or you don't read the Bible? You'd be like, hey, you got to start. Now imagine if I told you I'm a Christian, I just don't practice giving. You see, Jesus actually puts those in the same category. Giving is just as spiritual practice as prayer and his reading of scripture. And God wants every single member of the body of Christ to be a giver, regardless of how much money you can give. If it is literally just 10 cents a week, that's all you have. God wants us to learn the delight and the joy of becoming a giver because he knows that's exactly where we're supposed to be. So our text today is going to show us the discipline and the structure of how to do this. So this one's very practical today. So we're going to start, first of all, with this. Our giving has to be something that is planned. Has to be planned. You notice in 1 Corinthians there in 16, he says, Concerning the collection of the saints, as I commanded the churches in Galatia, I want you to do the same thing. This giving is something he says in verse 2, is on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside storing it up as you have been prospered. You see, he wants us to learn how to be givers who plan what we're going to give. And planning giving means that we are, pardon me, 
When you are a planned giver, that means that you are intentional about your giving, not accidental. Meaning this, that we should be givers who give an amount that we have thought about before Sunday rolls around. He says, on the first day of the week, I want you to give as you've stored up, as you've been prospered. But this is something that you've put aside, that you've thought about. Putting something aside means that you've thought about it and you've decided it. Means that we should give thought to this amount before today rolls around. If you're married, that means that you should discuss this with your spouse. That you should look at your circumstances and say, what do we want to give as a family? And let's decide to do that, that we're intentional about it. We should not base our giving on the cash that we can find the morning of as we're driving to the church. We should not give that uh, that way. We should actually be intentional about it. We should not giving, be giving just based upon what we have in the moment, that particular time in our checking account. This is something that we should be thoughtful and decisional about as we are intentional in our giving. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that we are called to give as we have decided in our hearts. So our giving needs to be planned, that we are intentionally thinking about what we want to give, not just sporadically or accidentally giving. Planned giving also means that we are systematic rather than sporadic. You see, the principle Paul lays out here in verse 2 is this. On the first day of every week, I want you to give. Now, in that first century, those people on the first day of every week, is in their society, that's how they were paid. They were paid on a daily basis. When you would work, you'd receive your day's wages. And as they would work, they would collect those wages, take care of their expenses. But Paul said, on a regular basis... I want you to systematically discipline yourself to give. See, giving is actually supposed to be regular, not just random or sporadic. You see, you and I need to be thinking about ways in which, I don't know how you get paid. You might get paid every week. You should think about giving from that which you get paid every week. If you get paid every two weeks, you should look at that sum and you should give. If you get paid once a month, understandably, take a look at that amount of money and give. I believe it's also okay to give that way. For instance, Lisa and I give once a month because I get paid once a month and I don't trust myself to just take that amount of money and divide it up over four weeks. So we just, at the first of the month this week, we give of that because that's when I get paid. Now, if I make extra money in the next two weeks, we should give off of that two weeks of that money. But um, we give systematic. We're supposed to do that rather than sporadic. You see, the difference between planned giving and unplanned giving is often our motivation. Now, what I mean by that is this. Unplanned giving does not mean that it has a bad motivation. We should be ready to give. If something springs up in front of us, we have an opportunity, we didn't plan on it, we should be giving. But if the only giving you're doing is unplanned, sporadic, accidental giving, we're missing a deeper motivation. You see, unplanned giving is based upon either your circumstances a problem arises, you got to respond to it, or your feelings. Like Matt mentioned this morning, uh, I feel a little bit guilty today, so I sporadically would just unplanned and give something because I don't want to feel guilty anymore. Regular, planned, systematic, intentional giving has a motivation that's deeper than that. And it's based upon the grace of God, the gift that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. And when you anchor yourself into that, he asks us to respond and to give in that way, and his gift never changes. So regardless of my feelings... Regardless of my circumstances, he wants me to be giving as a priority. 
So giving must be planned, first of all. The second thing is this. Our giving must be proportional. Proportional. There again in verse 2, he says, On the first day of each week, set something aside to give as you have been prospered, or as you have prospered that week. Meaning this, that when we get serious about giving, one of the first questions that people ask when you get serious, saying, okay, I believe that giving is just as important as prayer or scripture reading. Giving is something I'm going to prioritize in my life. When we get serious about giving, one of the first questions we ask is, how much do I need to give? What should I give? Do I need to go back and tithe like they, we learn about in the Old Testament? Do I give, you know, how much percent? We sort of start to try to solve how much we're supposed to give. And Paul says two things about that. First is, give something. So everybody should get, give something. But the second thing he says is this. Give as you have been prospered. Proportionate. Meaning in relation to your income, I want you to give. Now, this is not just some biblical truth. In fact, this is a financial piece of wisdom. Your bank does this to you. When, they, when you um, go to your bank and say, I want to you know, take out a mortgage, they're going to look at and say, okay, proportionately speaking, your income to your expenses, how much do you have to actually be able to afford a loan? And they will give you an amount of loan that says, we believe in proportion to your income, you can afford this. That's what proportion means, in relation to your income. And so here's how we decide to give. It's proportionate, meaning we think about our income and give in relation to that. You see, we do this in every other place of our life. Think about your income now. Maybe 20 years ago, it was less than what it is today, or five years ago, or 30 years ago, it was less than what it is today. Our expenses are most often in our lives proportionate to our income. Our car payments usually are in proportion to how much money we make. Our house payments are in proportion, usually, to how much money we make. Um, our vacation budget or Christmas budget is typically in proportion to the amount of money we make, right? So when you first get married or you're young, you don't make much money, your vacation or Christmas budget is usually kind of low, and your car payments you, got, you buy on the lower end. But as we make more money, typically those things grow in proportion, right? Well, he says here that our giving should be in proportion to the way we've been blessed, so for proportional giving, that requires two things. The first is it requires personal reflection. You're going to have to think about this. You're going to have to examine how you've been prospered. For you to be a giver in the way that God wants you to be disciplined to do this, he says, draw back and really look at how you've been blessed. Now, most of us probably aren't getting paid on a daily basis, and so we're not wondering next week, will I make this much or that much? Some of you might work in a job that is commission-based, so one quarter might be different than another quarter. Some of you might be hourly-based, and so maybe this week you got this many hours at your job, and next week is that many hours. Give in proportion to that. But many of you probably earn money based upon a yearly basis. You have a yearly salary, and so he wants you to draw back and think, as you reflect on your own income, how much of this anticipated salary do I want to contribute to the work of God? We've got to reflect on that so that we can make our decision based upon how we give. But not just personal reflection, but also periodic adjustment. Seasons of our life have different incomes and different expenses. 
Usually it goes something like a bell curve, right? Your income and typically your expenses do something similar to that. Although the bell curves don't automatically line up, the expenses are sometimes um, more in the, in the front end of that bell when you got maybe little kids or medical expenses, things of that nature. But different seasons of your life are going to have different levels of income and expenses. And what he wants us to do is, uh, is, uh, is occasionally pause and hit the reset button and say, where am I at in my life right now? What are my expenses? What is my income? How has God been blessing me? And if you find yourself in a position where you have maybe not kept in line with your income, maybe it's time to make some adjustments. Maybe you need to make an adjustment to your lifestyle. Has everything in your life increased except your giving? Income, expenses, debt, um, other areas of your life, has everything increased except giving? Maybe a lifestyle needs to be adjusted. Or have you found that in your life, maybe you're in a massive amount of debt because of the way that you've, uh, maybe you've run into some difficult circumstances or maybe some lifestyle choices? We need to make some adjustments to get out of that so we can become people who have the ability to contribute. So for our giving to help really lead us into blessing, it's got to be planned and it's got to be proportionate. But number three, our giving has to be personal. You notice Paul says there at the, in verse three, he says, when I arrive, I'm sorry, the end of verse two, I want you to give systematically and periodically so that when I show up, you don't have to give the day I show up. He's saying, the moment I show up on the scene, I don't want you to feel a sort of anticipation or anxiety because now the Apostle Paul is here, and then you start like scrummaging around to try to get the money that you need to give. He says, I don't want that to happen. I want this to be personal. That means our giving should be without external pressure. He doesn't want there to be a kind of pressure that makes you give. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that our giving should be a willing act not an exaction. And so that's one of the reasons why we decided to teach this series generous at a time when we're not saying, okay, we're going to have five lessons on how to give. And on the sixth lesson, we're going to tell you we need $5.8 million. You ready? <laughs> but if you want, you can, you can give as much as you want. It's fine. But, but we're really, it's detached from that right now because we want you to become generous people because of the grace that comes by being generous. That's it. God will use the faithful stewards of this congregation, the shepherds, to use that money well, trust them. But he wants you to be a generous giver without external pressure. He doesn't want, Paul doesn't want his presence to pressure you into giving. And we don't want anything else to pressure you into giving. We want you to be generous because of the grace of God in your life. That's it. And we hope that you'll respond to that. So our giving, for it to be personal, it's got to be without external pressure, but also with internal priority. Internal priority. The principle we see over and over in Scripture with regards to giving is this. That what we give to God should be our first fruits. This is a principle that shows up in every place giving to the Lord is talked about. You go back to Leviticus chapter 23 when they're getting ready to enter in the land of Canaan, and God says to them, when you harvest in this new land that I'm giving you, this gracious blessing of this land I'm giving you, when you harvest, give of your first fruits, your first harvest to the Lord. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3 tells us to honor the God with our wealth and give of our first fruits of what we make. Malachi chapter 1 laments this problem when Israel was not doing this. 
He says, you bring your sick and your lame animals as a sacrifice to God. And he's lamenting this. He says, if you offered that to your governor or to your king or to your boss, would he be pleased with this offering that you've given me? No, he wouldn't. He's saying, give me your first and give me your best. We should make it our aim to consider how much we want to give to God first. You see, there's a major difference in giving that happens when you understand the reality of who you are in Jesus Christ. There's a reality that happens in Jesus Christ that you and I need to get our heads around, and that's this. Paul says that we have been bought with a price. And you are no longer yourself. You, don't, you no longer own yourself, but you belong to God. Meaning that we are not owners anymore, but we are stewards of what God gives us. And the difference between an owner and a steward is this. An owner says, how much of my money will I give God? And a steward says, how much of God's money will I keep for myself? An owner says, what are all the things that I want, and then how much can I give? A steward says, here's how much I want to give, now what can I afford? And there's a drastic difference in our thinking with those two ways. And we have to see ourselves as stewards of what God gives us, not owners of it. And when we see ourselves as stewards uh, in obligation to God, in graciousness of how good he's been to us, we will give as stewards, not as owners. There's a big difference between those two things. Now, these principles, giving as planned in proportion to our income and being very personal with giving, are not just efficient or effective giving biblical principles. They're actually eternal. Meaning that Paul's not just using some modern day, first century wisdom on how to give. And so he's, you know, like the Dave Ramsey of the first century. And he's like, here's how you should give because I'm a really smart financial guy. That's not what he is. He's drawing these principles beyond just effectiveness into eternity. Because, you see, he knows our God is actually a giver at his very nature. John 3.16, you all know it. You can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he, that he what? Gave. What's the verb? Gave. His instinct, his nature, his first response in any situation is give. And the Bible tells us that you and I were made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. Meaning it is designed within us to be our first response to be givers. But sin has convinced us to be takers, to be hoarders, to be keepers. And there's Jesus telling us, hey, listen, your life will be blessed if you learn how to be like God. And so God is a giver in his nature, but he's not just a random giver. He's a planned giver. In fact, Revelation 13 tells us this, that Jesus Christ was slain, crucified, before the foundation of the world. In God's mind, the plan to give his son was done before this world was ever made. Meaning the plans of salvation, the plans of you and I being reconciled back to God was in his mind. He made the plan before the world was made. God is a planned giver. He's proportionate too. The gift that God gave to us was in proportion to how much he loved us. He said, how much is my love for them? I want to give in proportion to that. And his love was everything. Self-sacrificial. And God's love for us and his gift for us was not just planned and proportionate, but it was incredibly personal. There was no pressure there. He didn't give to us his son because we begged him or put pressure on him and said, if you really loved us, God, you give us Jesus. He didn't do that. He was giving to us because it was his internal 
priority. You see, these principles of giving that God's given to us to learn how to be disciplined givers so that we can move into delight are his very principles, that it's planned, it's proportionate, and it's personal. And if we learn about the gift that he's given to us in this way, we will naturally flow into becoming people who give just like he gave. And if you need to learn about the gift that he's given to us in Jesus Christ, we'll always want to make that opportunity available to you. There's an invitation we offer now that you can come and be received. The invitation stands when we leave this building. You can find us in the hallway. The invitation extends past this day. where You can make a phone call and say, I don't yet understand the gift of Jesus Christ because I'm not yet a good giver. We want to help you do that. Won't you come now or any time as we stand and sing?